0: Welcome back everyone to Information Revolution, a podcast about information, how we work with it, what's changing in the industry and what might need to change. I'm very excited to report that we've got our first guest on the podcast today. We have Gillian Oliver. Welcome, Gillian. Um, And before we jump into this, um, I will Actually, I'll just start with the topic. So um, we thought it would be really useful to have Gillian on to talk about information culture. So in the last few episodes, we've been talking about the people stuff, as we called it. So um, we thought information culture sounds like a great aspect of that. So um, we'll kick off just with the usual introductions. My name's Michael Upton. Um, I'm an information management consultant based in Wellington, New Zealand. um, And I'm a director of a company called Metataxis New Zealand.
1: And I'm Judy Verneau, I'm an information architect and uh, I also work for Metataxis New Zealand and I've been doing information architecture for longer than I care to remember and I'm very interested to know what Gillian thinks about how that intersects with some of the things we'll be talking about today. So um, Gillian, would you like to just introduce yourself?
2: Yes, so first of all hello Michael and Judy and thank you very much indeed for inviting me on. Um, So I'm an academic an associate professor at Monash
1: University based in Melbourne. And I I wanted to ask a question right off the bat (laughs) um, because I know that in Australia you talk about record keeping and I think when we were discussing this before with uh, Carl, we were talking about record-keeping culture and I just wanted to ask you um, particularly since I know you're a Brit originally uh, <laughs> whether you see any difference between record-keeping and information management or are they the same for you oh talk about <laughs> I thought you'd start off with an easy question
2: not a difficult <laughs> question um Judy. <laughs> I, I tend to use the language that means most to whoever it is I'm talking yeah, to. Absolutely.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> so in a lot of circumstances, I will talk about information management. Um But at Monash, the university I'm from, that's the home of the records continuum. So the language there is very much record keeping as one right. word without a a hyphen
1: oh interesting so, right
2: oh <laughs> that's an important point um and with our latest book so the book i've written with fiorella foscarini about information culture we actually called it the second edition record keeping culture that's to just right. sort of emphasize right. that um, what we were aiming to do was to sort of um, explore information Cultures, but specifically in the context of record-keeping with a view to promoting and, a sound
1: record-keeping culture. Do you think that, um, I mean, just talking about how people respond to uh, the idea of record-keeping, do you think that in an organisation record-keeping ought to be, as it were, invisible to the average person? in the organization or do you think everybody needs to to be aware of and involved in record keeping
2: i think everybody is involved in record keeping
1: yes actually, yes whether well, they want to or not they, I guess.
2: yeah the extent to which they need to be aware of it really varies according to the culture so if um i mean with all these things the way I'd respond would depend on the context. But I don't think that it is necessarily essential for everybody, if it's not going to work, to be aware of record-keeping per se. If it has to be invisible, so long as it's, you know, the objectives are being
1: achieved, I think that's fine. So can you Mm -hmm. think of some... um... Examples of—I mean, you don't have to 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 name names, but just uh, examples of really good record keeping cultures.
2: <laughs> Dif- difficult ones, problematic ones.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we always remember those ones.
2: <laughs> I think you know the the good ones are where objectives are being achieved, and so it might not be so obvious that that is a excellent record-keeping culture because because you've achieved the desired outcome and everything's functioning and uh, running smoothly
1: yeah i think we've said that before haven't we michael that yeah when it's working you don't you don't yeah. see it. It's the same mm-hmm. as I say about information architecture. Yeah. You know, nobody out there should should need to know about that. No. It should just be really helping them to mm-hmm. to do their job. Yes.
2: Mm.
0: And I think we talk about it as a feature of design as well. That you know, um, I always bang on about potato peelers as an example of good design because it's
1: do you? completely. <laughs>
0: Because it's completely unsexy, it's not a sort of high um you know, high end brand kind of idea of design. But it is exactly the kind of thing that if, if a potato peel is not working, you know all about it. But yeah, right. it, <laughs> yes. it, there's some sense in which when something's working it is invisible because you can take it for granted because it just it's so uh lacking in kind of friction or something, you know? Yeah. 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 So I'm curious, Jillian, um, uh, whether you have sort of thoughts on um, the factors that contribute to a good culture, I suppose, in terms of records.
2: I think, well, the, the key ideas behind our work on information culture is really understanding the layers of cultural influences in organisations and how they influence um, people's interactions with records with information so a key factor for me is um, for the information professionals the records managers the record keepers whatever you want to call them having that insight and that sensitivity to the ways in which people work and sort of rather than trying to come in and impose a best practice solution um, but to sort of figure out what these layers of influences are and then to use that insight to um, uh, to be able to even if it's just promote particular solutions you know I mean Mm. say say the information architecture will um, facilitate sharing of information across the organization just some really simplistic example but you've got a, a team a department where individuals are rewarded on their solo performance so they they're guarding their their information yeah you know so if you're promoting it based on hey you know you've got all this fantastic access which long term is going to you know, be so good for the organisation. If you don't take into account the drivers for the behaviours in that department, you're not going to have much success. So it's just, you know, you might have the same solution, but it's how you present it and so how it's packaged and how it's sold to people. And that could vary across the organisation.
0: Hmm, sure. Yeah, it makes lots of sense to me. I think we, we've we probably got, I don't know what episode we're up to in this podcast, with not, without really saying out loud, you know, we need to listen to people. But that's kind of what I think you're saying, which, you know, so you need to actually sit down and understand what is driving people and, and uh, how that um, reflects. I know if Carl were here, he'd talk about an emergent culture, the idea of a culture that's sort of just come into being even if you haven't formalized it um yeah and yeah i i think that is something that if particularly if we're in a position where we're kind of being asked to demonstrate our expertise the idea of just listening to people might Mm. Again, in terms of those kinds of perverse incentives, it might actually feel like a counterintuitive thing like, oh, okay, I'll shut up and I'll, yeah. I'll listen to what other people already know about yeah. their own ways of working or business. Yeah. yeah.
1: But mm. I think I, I remember in one of the podcasts we talked, I think it was you particularly, Michael, who talked about um, making people who work in IM or record keeping, um, making them seen to be seen as people who can help you you know that that people will come to you because they've seen that you can help mm. um which i think is a great idea uh, i've never seen it happen but actually that's not true that's not true really? i have no i have i have seen that um but that it's that sort of um what you're talking about there is like the stage before that you you're seen that you can help because you're really listening and really understanding mm-hmm. and trying to work out ways that you can support what it is they're trying to achieve I guess sometimes that's tricky because if they are the sort of people who like to keep them their stuff to themselves you've got to find ways to kind of prize it out of their sticky little hands without without making it seem like that's what you're doing. But then you can talk about um, protection,
2: security, you know, emphasize features that are there, part of the solution, but you sort of, it's which you emphasize uh, will vary according to your, you know, the uh, participants, the users. Yeah. yeah. So it's
0: kind of a matter of, yeah, okay, understanding their priorities so that you can lean towards those.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in organisations, most of this very likely to be a multiplicity of information cultures. Yeah. So you just think about different occupations. You know, um, the finance department, accountants, will have one set of practices and behaviours uh, and people in... Design, yeah, you know, research people like me were just sort of like all over the place, which will we'll work quite differently, yeah, and so I mean when you think about it like that, the idea of just one approach for some for an entity that's so complex hmm. is you know you can see that it is going to run into problems,
0: mm absolutely. Um, yeah. So ha, ha, yeah. has has your work extended to sort of how to sort of document this or what to do with the information? Like if you're trying to go and figure out the different cultures,
2: yeah, so do you have we've, thoughts
0: on what to do with that?
2: Um, we have, we've talked, we've developed um, some models for, uh, to assist in developing an information profile of an organization or a particular department. Um, so we've got sort of guidance there that we've, we've written up. Um, and, I mean, I've developed, when I say we, I'm talking about my colleague Fiorella Foscarini as well in Toronto, because you know, we do a lot of this together. Um, so we've developed a, a three-level model of information culture that distinguishes between the factors that you can't change, the really embedded values or features of society like the IT infrastructure in the country, you know, the things that you, you can't mess with that are there. And there's a, a middle layer that focuses on um uh, knowledge of the legislative, perhaps standards environment, as well as understanding people's information literacy, the records literacy. And then right at the top of the model, that's the stuff that's relatively easy um, to change. And it's the most superficial stuff. So it's understanding what's at each level and then sort of guidance for how to proceed from there. So suggestions for how to interpret what's happening at each level. Mm-hmm. And one of the, we've distinguished some sort of three features that um, can help give that insight. And one of them is workarounds. So the, the things that people are doing to avoid um conforming with official policies and systems instead of just rejecting them out of hand, looking at them and to see, because sometimes they can be very innovative and they can tell you a lot about how people really need to work.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: So we think workarounds are um, a really good source of insight.
0: Yeah, great, yeah. I think um, one aspect of that for me is that um, if I'm being too narrowly focused on what the outcomes are supposed to be of good information management or whatever, that workarounds tell me something about the priorities of those that yeah. group of users, if you like. So you know, because yeah. it's like, well, okay, they're doing this because what matters to them is, say, how fast they can do something, just to be kind of an obvious one, uh, and so that. Yeah, it's obviously then something I can work with. It's like, oh, okay, what matters to them is just that they can do something very quickly, all right? So, you know, whatever I do for them next has to accommodate that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think drop, workarounds are quite often, as you say, very insightful. And and I'm always always impressed at some of the ones that people – come up with because they're just trying to do their job and get it done really yeah. quickly uh-huh. and shouldn't be tuttied at. No. <laughs> <laughs> they should be, uh, I think, respected for actually trying to get the work done in the best way they can, but they, you know, they haven't really got the right tools available. So, yeah, I would I would agree with your, your point there. And, if, and like what said, about work? I was just gonna say, what about working with the the people at the top of an organization and helping them to understand what's needed? What's your experience there? Well, I mean that
2: can you can get really fantastic results there short term. Um but I've certainly seen in organizations where, you know, your whole approach is linked to one person at the top. Um Everything's falling apart when that one person goes, because while they're there, they've got the influence and the authority. Um, and you think, yeah, wow, this is, this is really good. Everything's happening now. But if the responses to the strategy, the behaviors are all based on, you know, that one person and their authority and they leave, then it's all going to fall apart. So. Sure. Um, uh, middle management um, you know sort of trying to get across the organization and to find people who can ways in which the influence can can be ongoing and not just dependent on on one
1: person mm. Um,
0: mm. yeah, yeah it makes sense
1: yeah yeah it- it makes for an even bigger selling job doesn't it then yes yeah uh, yeah one of my least favorite things to do uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so what are your tips for persuading and getting getting engagement higher up the organization
2: um finding out what the what the drivers are what yeah, they're going to respond right. to um unlikely to be financial um (laughs) it's yeah it's really really difficult um it's you know i mean we we talk a lot about needing to have this ethnographic approach to strategies and to communication so it's the more you understand what's valued in the organization the more you can use those tools So in my faculty, for example, I've realised, so I mentioned just now that there's a couple of features that we say these reflect the information culture and you can use them. Another one is genres. And so, uh, so that could be a documentary form. It could be the way that meetings are run. Um, that gives you insight into the culture. And in my faculty, I've realised just recently the dominant genre that is most respected is a spreadsheet. Oh, Everything comes in a spreadsheet. Uh-uh. If there's any sort of information to be collected, any documents that decisions need to be made on, a spreadsheet appears. It might not look like a spreadsheet, but that's what it is. Sometimes <laughs> they decide, disguise so cunningly. So that tells me that if I want to get the decision that I want, I shouldn't be writing a wonderful piece of prose, a narrative to support something. There should be something spreadsheet-like there, Yeah. yeah. you know, that's very prominent, that's the
1: main tool to be used. That's an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Reminds
0: me like- of it. Canadian writer John Ralston Saul, he wrote a whole lot on the idea that basically the medium matters more nowadays yeah. to actually get decisions made I mean here uh very critical of kind of the state of things, so <laughs> probably not not one for a workplace but uh, but yeah, but he uh, yeah yeah, he basically says the way that you present something is more important than what it actually says in order to actually kind of get your way through layers of technocrats is how he describes it Mm, sadly
2: yes i mean it's not i'm not saying this is right or this is the best way or anything but mm -hmm. if you do want to get a get a decision made just communicating on their terms or using the genre that yeah people are most comfortable with can at least get people listening so sure you know i think it's about us listening and making sure that other people listen
1: to us.
0: Yeah. 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 I I guess it's not, um, I mean, you know, in in real, in real life, I wouldn't say that the content doesn't matter. It's just, as you say, packaging it in a way that is most, most applicable for that culture. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I mean a classic one in New Zealand public sector has been the thing about A threes. That was a that was a kind of yes. a genre I suppose oh, of information. Gosh, yeah. like, yes. You know? Can you do uh-huh. us an A three? Like yes. turn turn anything into an A three. It's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> Judy, can you slap a whole ontology on an A three for us? I <laughs> know. Uh, well I
1: was yeah, I was asked to I yeah, I smile because one client asked me to, to yeah. Sum it all up on an A3 that could be presented. How do you summarise that on? But we did it. I mean, I didn't think it was very good actually, but we did it. Something happened. Yeah, it's all the yeah. project on a page type stuff, isn't it? Which I which I get. I do. I do understand that. Let's reduce it down to its simplest. But um, but some things are really, perhaps. A touch too complicated to yeah oh, to boil like down to that extent. Kind of page yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But so speaking of projects, though, I mean, Gillian, have you seen situations of people trying to kick off a kind of a project or an initiative to um to change the culture, change the information culture of an organisation?
2: Um, certainly. That's a
0: Closed question
2: yeah <laughs> certainly changing organizational culture with a view to um, improving information management and say so the problem with those types of initiatives is that they're looking for quick answers mm-hmm. and not taking into account sure. there's a just a little bit that can be changed and that if you um, if you try to change, behaviours without understanding the the deeper values and other issues involved then you're not going to get very far so any sort of project plan like that I'd be saying uh, what you should have on there is understand the existing culture and then trying to you know tease out the sort of the various layers of influence there
1: so I think from what what you've said it's understanding the pervading culture but then understanding how the culture works team by team. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting. I certainly never thought of that. So uh having the chief exec or whoever address the masses is only going to do a tiny bit. Yes. Yeah. But if you've got
2: the chief exec on board, you might have the resourcing. That's true. <laughs> so everybody yep. has their part to play, but so get senior, get the top level on board so you get the funding. Um, but in terms of actual long-term, you know, actually changing behaviors, then you've got, there's a lot more work to do.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about it before we started the conversation, but I'd I'd pictured, yeah, I realise now I did have it in my head that you'd be kind of trying to shift culture through sort of the exec, you know, through strategy Mm, and so forth. But I guess, as you're saying, given the multiplicity of cultures in one organisation, you probably do need to be at that operational level of, you know, how does this manager of this team of people influence what they do, I suppose. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm sure we've all been in situations where you've had people at the top saying, "We're going to change the culture. We're going to. This is going to happen, and that's going to happen." And everybody's sitting around, saying, mm, smiling politely, and yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> thinking their own yeah. thoughts, yeah,
1: mm,
0: just waiting, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, I'm looking at the time. We. But we could i'm not sure did you have something else to ask Judy?
1: um
0: no
1: i don't think so actually okay not cool. right now so yeah i found that a different way of thinking about it which was which is really yeah which is really good useful
2: good no thank you very much i've enjoyed the conversation
1: This one.
0: Thanks very much for coming in and thanks everyone out there for listening. We'll be back again uh, with another exciting episode in a couple of weeks. (laughs)